Growing Up, our brand new resource for churches and parents is out now. Woohoo! With Sunday school sessions, training videos, podcast episodes for parents and one for the whole family. All there to help our children navigate the confusion, filter the messages they're surrounded by and hear God's good story. All our Growing Up resources point to the Heavenly Father who loves our children even more than we do and has the answer to their biggest questions about who they are and how to live. Together, as families and churches, we can support each other to start good conversations about bodies, gender and marriage so our children can grow up hearing God's good story. Head over to the website faithinkids.org and find out all the details about growing up. So, Amy, are you saying that that three of your children are yet to dig a hole in the park, throw their sibling in and sell him to passing slave traders? And fake his, fake his death. And yeah, that hasn't happened. That hasn't happened. But how amazing is the Bible that that did happen in God's family? And that was the raw awfulness. I mean, imagine, you know, they come home what and say, tell that story. Oh, by the way. Like that happened on the trip home from the park and Joseph was sold to slavery and things were awful. And at the end of his life, he said to his brothers who he forgave, who came back, who for whom Joseph's selling to slavery was the point of rescue for all of God's people. What you meant for harm, the Lord has used for good. Hello, this is the Faith in Parents podcast. It is great to be with you walking through the normal journey of Christian parenting in the lives of, uh, well, confusion. (laughs) Uh, Amy, how are you? Hello, Ed. I'm good, thank you. And how lovely to think that we are currently streaming to kitchen sinks, allotments, dog walks, buggy walks across the UK and even beyond to our lovely podcast listeners. If I could give audio hugs, I would. (laughs) Amy, thank you. You're absolutely right. Now, Amy, we don't have a guest today. It's just the two of us. Just me and thee, kid. (laughs) Now, I'd love not to make that sound disappointing because we do have some topics in mind from the emails we get sent. So first of all, scribble down our email address, podcast at faithinkids.org. Send us your questions, send us your topics. I do want to say we have a backlog of about 37 emails <laughs> of brilliant topics we've been given that we struggle to get round to, but we keep them all. Big build up, Ed. I Big know. build up. Today's topic is... Siblings. Hey! <laughs> we want to help you navigate. How do we manage siblings? How do we parent siblings? How do we encourage our, our children who have siblings? And what if they don't have a sibling? Does that change anything at all? Amy... Uh, How many children do you have? Uh, I have four children. My youngest is nine 
and my oldest is 13. And there's a beautiful symmetry in uh, how many were there in your family? There was four and I am one of four. So I am in the run of four. I have two big sisters, then me and then a little brother. Poor James. Okay, so that's the inverse of what you have, which is three big brothers and a little sister. Correct. Now, strangely, uh, I am one of three. I have three children and both in my family and in my family, we have... Uh, an older two and then a little diddy baby and in my family i'm the little diddy baby but we also have a little diddy baby there you go and uh, i see trends repeated and you can talk about whether you see trends repeated (laughs) amy tell us uh, what is that sweet vision we want for siblings well what we long for is the day that we arrive at the playground the park the wherever and our children leap from the vehicle, or indeed their bicycles, because we've saved the environment by cycling there ourselves. And they say to one another, what would you like to do next? And, you know, I'll help you with that. And they skip, and we stand beaming behind them. Yes, they're nodding, that they're ours. And people look at us (laughs) and think, wow, we wish we were them. Look how lovely those children are to one another, how proud their parents must be. That's the utopia of which I dream. My, my dream is that my children encourage each other. I, I, that, that when one is in tears, when one has been broken by a hard day, or even when one has done brilliantly, that it is my children who say with beaming faces spontaneously, well done, brilliant, I knew you could do it rather than ignoring the success and saying, so what went wrong exactly? Through the tears and in the misery, because we want to really dive around to the absolute awfulness of yeah, the day. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm I'm going for the, what would you like you before me, dear one, is my flimsy, flimsy dream. Now, this podcast is distinctly Christian parenting. And my observation would be that yours and my dream, Amy, I think is shared by every loving parent in the world. And you could argue that dream is self-parenting children, children who don't need us, who love each other wonderfully, even when we're not there and don't need us to influence them at all. So, Amy, what's the Christian distinctive? I think the Christian distinctive is I would love my children to love their siblings because they know how they have been loved. So I would love them to be so filled with the knowledge and the wonder of God's selfless love for them and Jesus's sacrifice for them that they think there is nothing that they would not do for one another because they know the the depths of that love with which they have been loved will never be got to the bottom of. They can keep digging and they can keep giving because there's always more in the tank. So if you're listening to this, Please just take a moment to take a deep breath, look at the most beautiful thing around you and just say, dear Lord, may that one day be our story, even if it's not the story now, because Amy and I want to be the first to say, it's not our family's story now, (laughs) but to have faith means we trust a God who is, he, he is knitting together a glorious story, even if right now all we can see is hanging out bits of wool and bits that don't matter and knots that are in the wrong places. That's the trajectory we are on, Ed, as people who are in Jesus. We will one day, we be there. It just isn't yet. And I think, as we often say also, faith is sometimes, Christianity is most, can be most clearly seen in parenting. Parenting requires faith. 
parenting requires hope. Despite what I see now, I trust the Lord to do glorious things. And if we're parents, it means we know what it is to be on our knees thinking this cannot get any worse. <laughs> how is this? How has this become my story? I think that having hope and faith in this situation might mean I'm a little bit insane. That's okay. That's it. That's the story of faith. Despite appearances, a good story can happen. Amy, where do you see that good story happening between siblings in the Bible? Oh, well, there's the story that I often go to that gives me hope when things are not going well with my own children, which happens more regularly than you might imagine, and particularly amongst brothers, is that I love the hope in the story of Joseph with that lineup of the Motley crew of favoritism and leaving somebody out and <laughs> throwing your brother in a pit and faking his death and selling him to slavery. Our worst days have never actually been that bad. <laughs> so, Amy, are you saying that, that three of your children are yet to dig a hole in the park, throw their sibling in and sell him to passing slave traders? And fake his, fake his death. And yeah, that hasn't happened. That hasn't happened. But how amazing is the Bible that that did happen yeah. Yeah. in God's family? And that was the raw awfulness. I mean, imagine, you know, they come home what and say, tell that story. Oh, by the way, like that happened on the trip home from the park. And Joseph was sold to slavery and things were awful. And at the end of his life, he said to his brothers who he forgave, who came back, who for whom Joseph's selling to slavery was the point of rescue for all of God's people. What you meant for harm, the Lord has used for good. And I cling to that by my fingernails in those moments when my children are truly horrible to one another, that God is up to something good, even in this mess. And even in when I feel beyond the realms of my ability to parent or say anything wise or helpful, God is working to teach them something good and I can trust him with that outcome and it might not be for years but he's still good and he's still doing it. I want to say that means when you first hear the tears in the next room and probably it's the youngest who is crying or it's the one most likely to be crying is crying and you walk in and because you've done this hundreds of times before you feel like the first thing you want to say is how have you done this again take a breath count to three and remind yourself this is what the lord is doing good can come from this years from now there can be a story where one sibling turns to the other and says what you intended for harm the lord has done something good that is a scenario that I need to hear. With my three children, every day is a repetition of those issues. And we, we've just come back from an Easter holiday. And every time we go away on holiday, I always secretly wish, hope, that our sin, our predictable <laughs> failings won't go with us. Would you know it? They do. It's okay. <laughs> and, you didn't, and you didn't even pack them exactly. and they came. Exactly. Amy, tell us a little about how, how does God relate to us 
as siblings and to our children as siblings. What what patterns do we see in how God does it that helps us to learn how we do it? So I think that is why as parents we feel such a sense of heartache and pain. When we see our children who we dearly love not getting on, it double hurts because we love both of them. I love my sons deeply. When the two of them are horrible to one another, um, it hurts because I know I love them both and they are God's gift to one another and they are God's gift to me. And when when that's going badly, that's why it hurts because they're yours and you know that they're God's gift to you and one another, but they're not living out of that identity at that time. So I just think in that moment, there is something that we learn and we feel as a parent that helps us understand something of how God relates to us, how God loves us, how God feels about us. We are his children. And in the church, the, the church is full of siblings. It's a sibling relationship within the church, how I relate to my brothers and sisters in Christ there. And his heart aches when we don't get on because he wants us to live out of that identity of believing we are God's gift to one another. So I think it helps me understand something more about how much God loves me and how much God values the way I treat others. I think that's big. Christian parenting has the vision in mind that we are the brothers and sisters of our own children. Christian parenting is life is heading towards a day which is a wedding party where Christ marries his church and we stand around as brothers and sisters. And if our children are in the Lord, it means we stand next to them as siblings. So I just find that very helpful because it it means I try to get alongside my children rather than just to tell them where they're failing. I, I found it helpful to remember there'll be a day where my most patronizing voice will get, yeah, right, whatever. <laughs> and my my attempt at extreme anger will just get laughed at. In that if I'm trying to intimidate or bully or shame a child who is now my height, stronger than me, intelligent, more intelligent than me, that won't work. It's helpful to know there's coming a day where we would still love our children to sit on the park bench with us and say, Dad, let's talk. Mm to be alongside our children, trying to help them work through as a sibling, knowing we are in authority over them. I'm not denying God has put us in authority over them. There's a responsibility that comes with being a parent that there isn't with being a brother, sister or a friend, but to be alongside them thinking, I want to I help you to work this through, hmm. your irritation with your sister, hmm. your anger with your brother. And I think even the way that your relationship changes, you know, as the annoying little sister to my two big sisters the the day the days have changed when i used to you know tease my big sister for being the such crimes as being older than me and sing rude songs about the fact that her body was changing i mean how awful I, i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry big sister and she is now a loyal support and a friend and somebody that i ring to say what do i do about my own kids so your sibling relationship changes over time. So imagine the day, I like to imagine the day, this weekend I'm going to spend the weekend with my sister out of choice 
because I miss her. And we're going to hang out with our kids for the weekend and we pray for one another's kids regularly and try and help one another out. And, you know, that that is a potential future for my own children. And my mum probably tore her hair out on days that she didn't ever think that would happen when we were arguing over clip-on earrings. Amy, there's no probably in that sentence. <laughs> I try to also... I hope it's a trendy spot in what Faith in Kids is doing that that we try to be about the heart rather than just the behavior. Just to say a little on that, and I think this really affects what we do with siblings and how we approach siblings, is that we do find behavior matters. So in Hebrews 12, verse 8, we do read, if you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. God disciplines us as his children. Mm-hmm. When we step out of turn, he graciously, kindly shows us we have. He puts people in our lives. He puts circumstances. There is fruit to our actions mm. that he generously, graciously gives us both for good and bad in our lives, if you like. Mm-hmm. When we get it wrong and when we get it right, he enables us to see his purposes. But he also, the story of the Bible is he is keen to work on the heart Hmm. and he knows the heart. Uh, I read recently Proverbs 27 verse 19. As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. As we see our children's actions before us, we are seeing their hearts as clearly as if we were looking at water at the reflection of the tree. Uh, Now, that is a sad thought, but the hope is before we just say, don't do that again, or just shout, share ever louder, (laughs) before we just shout again, don't hit your brother, stop shouting at your sister as we shout incredibly loudly, just take a moment to understand why. So, for instance, I recently went on a walk with our family. I spent about half an hour discussing fairness with my son over how many red shoelace sweets we had given his younger brother. And that conversation was incredibly helpful because it really just said volumes about how my son just wants more. And he believes if someone else has got more, he should get more. I just want more and more. And it was actually an opportunity for what What do we crave? What do we want more than anything else? Please don't let it just be strawberry shoelaces. So was his issue, I want more strawberry shoelaces than my brother, or I want the same? I want exactly the same. Okay. And I refuse to hear why he got something and I didn't, or even more why I got something and he didn't. Ah. Can you believe we got to the point after discussing this for an hour where I said, I am going to stop the next stranger and ask them what they think we should have done. (laughs) And I did. (laughs) We stopped a stranger on her walk. She looked pretty (laughs) bewildered. And I got to start with, I wonder if you could just help my son and I to have this conversation. What did she say? (laughs) Well, quite annoyingly, she didn't entirely take my side. But I decided that was the gamble I was taking. It was worth doing. I feel convinced of that. Poor woman. (laughs) What have I just walked, literally what have I just walked into? Oh, dear. Well, that's an interesting perspective. A random stranger. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it was entirely born out of anger, but it was partly, I'm sure. 
Uh, Amy, tell me then, with, with siblings, can you just talk to us a little about how, how do we... That's not fair comes up a lot. Yeah. Uh, what is it the child wants in those circumstances? I think it's difficult because fairness... <laughs> Fairness in a child's perspective and fairness from the adult who actually sees you all as individuals with different needs and hearts is an entirely different thing. So they don't actually want the fairness that they ask for in reality. So they don't want you to buy exactly the same birthday present for all four of them and exactly the same Christmas present for all four of them or give all four of them exactly the same hat, top, T-shirt. They want to be known as individuals. You know, but in that moment, there's this drive of competition that says, I don't want them to get more than me, or I want to make sure I'm getting my deal um, and what is due to me. And I think those are the moments to just see what is the difference between being fair and what is the difference between being treating everybody the same. So, giving out a piece of cake that's enough for everybody to have one each is slightly different to giving everybody exactly the same gift for their birthday because I see that you are different. And I think it's trying to help children see you want me to treat you as you and that doesn't necessarily mean everything being the same. So there's a difference between things being fair and things being the same. And Amy, can you just justify this position? with what we see in the Bible? Because it's tempting to say, but I thought justice meant wrongs are righted. So I think in the Bible, we see God treats us as individuals and the way that he deals with people is so different. So if you look at you know Jesus' interaction with people in the Gospels, he goes to find the woman at the well and he asks, starts the conversation by asking her a question and he's kind to her and or, you know, the the needy outsider, he draws close and, you know, calls the woman with the issue of blood, calls her daughter. And the Pharisees, he pushes them on what they think and why they're saying that. And the response that he gives is led by where their hearts are at. And I think you can see that across the Bible story. So the people who appear to be upright, the people who appear to be doing the right thing, he is often harshest on. Mm-hmm. And if we if we imagine, for instance, that we have a child, we could imagine being more like a Pharisee. Mm-hmm. That is, they normally do the right thing without being prompted. They might like everyone to see that they're doing the right thing unprompted mm-hmm. compared to a child who might be more like the tax collector mm-hmm. who shamelessly do the wrong thing. Mm-hmm and perhaps are broken inside by their behaviour if the spirit is at work and and are hiding in the shadows, hoping no one sees the mistakes they're making and the wrong things they're doing. Yep. If you could imagine parenting a Pharisee and a tax collector in the same family, that would be pretty hard for you and them. So I have that combination. I, 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 won't, I won't name names. It, we had an interesting chat over New Year. There was a conversation about New Year's resolutions, which I was staying well well clear of because it brings pressure on one of my one of my kids who will make bold and huge claims of things that they want to do and then will have failed by day one and it will crush them. So we hadn't had that conversation. And as we were out for a long, brisk walk, as we like to do, my Pharisee son 
said, uh, oh, have you made any uh, any New Year's resolutions to my tax collector son? Who said, no, because I just won't be able to do it. And uh, <laughs> my Pharisee son replied, well, I haven't made any because I don't need to because I'm just so good. <laughs> And he wasn't he wasn't being facetious. He did actually think in that moment that they were unnecessary. And my son who struggles nudged me and rolled his eyes and says, Mum, he's got a long way to go. And it was a brilliant moment because for him, he could see in that moment, I am the one who normally stuffs up and messes messes things up. But I am closer to getting my problem than my brother who normally gets it right. And it was a beautiful moment and I have to cling to those because they are normally the other way around. So um, it was great. And Amy, that, uh, look, that story I do think is beautiful in, in helping a parent to let go of the idea that there, need, there needs to be a given action for every situation in the home. In, in that, as we repeatedly say, the parent is the world expert on their children. The parent is probably the only living person who knows the hearts of their children at all. And it's comforting to know that Christ knows them perfectly and is doing a good work in them. But we are the people who are best placed, even when our children are screaming at us, that's not fair, to say, I love you both. I know what's good for you both. And I'm willing to explain it if you just give me a moment. But those conversations are harder. Yeah. Yeah. And that is about trying to teach your kids to trust you and to trust that you love them. And there's a reason why as parents, that is our job for a limited amount of time. And then we step into the wings and say, now you trust your heavenly father with me and alongside me. We say he knows us better. He loves us deeper. And I don't have to live my life looking over my shoulder at the person next to me and in a pickle as to whether they've got a better deal than I have because you love me and I can trust you with what you've given me and what's on my plate. There's a thing, I, look, I can't, I can't speak for every family, but surely as adult parents, if we have a sibling, we can look at them. And it is, there are so many families who are totally split, not speaking to each other, partly because of that sibling has the money, that sibling has the house, that sibling has the children, that sibling has the marriage, and, and the list is long. Mm. Mm. And, and to weep over that family and say, if only you could be content with what the Lord has given you and see his blessings that are new every day. Mm. We can be a part of teaching our children. I think this is a pattern we see with families where there's a special needs child mm. on Rachel Wilson's podcast or rather our podcast with Rachel Wilson. She spoke about having two children with special needs and one without. And she spoke brilliantly on it never feels fair. The, the attention is not divided equally. The, the parenting isn't divided equally. The freedoms are not divided equally. Amy, how do we navigate that? Because, that really is just one version of a situation where it's just so visible the differences in our children and where they can see their siblings aren't the same. And I, I think that's true. And I think I felt that and I've had to, you know, go to the Lord with that and say, this just doesn't seem right that, you know, one of my kids has struggles that 
that have an impact on the rest of my children and I don't think that that's fair on them and this is too much to ask of them and it is then saying this is again what the Lord has allowed and he is up to something good so I would like to make flat the paths in front of all of my children to make life easier for them and to remove obstacles from them and the pain and struggles and that I need to prize my fingers off the steering wheel of their life and trust that the Lord is up to something good and in those moments when it doesn't feel fair to ask you to forgive again or to put up with again this is God up to something good in the lives of my children and me and I can trust him with that through gritted teeth and in tears and I can say to my other children I know this feels hard and I know this doesn't seem fair but God is good and we can trust him even now and even here and if you see me saying that in tears with questions it makes it safer for you to do the same. There is a situation also just to compare, which is as we're listening to this, there might be some who are listening who have um, three children, who have one child or who have 11 children. <laughs> I, I do have a friend who's one of 11. She used to tell me about their holidays, which was just mum used to pack a picnic basket for 11 children and off they went. <laughs> and the older children learned to look after the younger children and they came home when the sun went down. And that does sound a lot like self-parenting children <laughs> i think that the, there probably comes a point where if you have enough that there's enough of an age range that that can happen yeah and i i'm not so convinced of that that i've chosen <laughs> to have 11 children but i have always thought i wonder at what point that would happen but i'm totally certain it does not happen automatically and equally i know families with one child who, who would do who would have done anything to have more than one child mm. Mm. The, the, the families I know with one child, I think I noticed that they, for instance, think carefully about what they do on holiday, particularly as a child gets older. They know that mm. the child is probably not a middle-aged person who wants to visit the local museum, but find ways of putting them around young people of a similar age who they can go and have mm -hmm. japes and jollies with. I think it it is that situation we were talking about before, about, you know, the whole thing of that we see in our children when they look across, they look across at their siblings' plate to say, what have you got? And should I have that? It's the same seeds in our hearts that as adults, we look across the fence at, you know, I look at the family with one kid and think, blimey, how easy must that be? You know, imagine one of you is basically off duty all the time. We're running a zonal marking system that, you know, they're looking at us thinking how wonderful your child has always got somebody to play with. And I think it's that same thing that we say to our children and we say to our own hearts time and time again, we trust the Lord with what's on our plate and he is up to something good. And just as that family with, with, with one child are looking to be included with others and in the same way, we can include you on a day out. But, you know, we're looking for opportunities to spend one-to-one -one time with our children who, who long for that. So balance family church help one another out my oldest son is in the habit at the moment of teaching my youngest son to say brother from a different mother <laughs> and i i don't i don't get it 
um, and they are actually from the same mother. So it, it, I, I've no idea what my younger son thinks of this, but he thinks it's the coolest phrase. They both say it far too much. <laughs> but look, that is that is the joy, That's isn't church. it? That's church. That's church. That's church. We are brothers and sisters from a different mother. We have the same heavenly father. So, suddenly a sort of rap has become something deeply profoundly <laughs> theological. I'm sorry about that, that segue. I I tell so many people the story that I first heard on on a podcast, our podcast with Morena, who said the day she walked into church as a single mum, pushed her two teenage children before her into church and said to them, talk to anyone. Mm. What she's saying is, I trust my church family to be your brothers and sisters, to be your parents. If you're frustrated with me, if you think I'm frustrated with you, let's come to church. Let's find some siblings. Let's do life together. And I I think it's particularly sweet when we spend time with Christian families, kids of a similar age to my kids. It invariably just goes so well. Admittedly, <laughs> you can't do it for too long. No. Beware of going on holiday with those families. Mm-hmm. But it is beautiful. And, and occasionally you get to look at another parent in the eye and say, you're doing great. And I know that because, look, it's a great day. Is church, is church doing that for you, Amy? Uh, yes. I think, I think being with other families is always exhausting. And I think being with other families can also always be something that you would, for the sake of things being neat and tidy and easier, would avoid, but worth the mess. Relationships are a mess worth making as a good book that... For me, I have to learn to be okay with with the day being slightly messier for the benefit of being with others. So I think there's another family at church who our kids would get on well together and charge about and play Nerf gun battles up and down the stairs. And, you know, that's great. It's okay. It's noisy, it's chaotic, and somebody is going to end crying but this is relating to others. This is siblings being with siblings. This is a moment for the tension in me about who's talking to who and who's loving who and it's, you know, that has gone. And I just have to learn to be okay with a little bit more chaos because people matter more than neat and tidy. <laughs> they do. So this podcast has really become a podcast about brothers and sisters not in the same family. And brothers and sisters who are different parents and parenting in different ways, but they're still brothers and sisters. And our children still get to learn enormous, wonderful things and learn grace from being around other families that are different to ours. Anything else, Amy, or shall I pray? I just think I want to come back full circle to that reminding us, reminding me, reminding us of Joseph's family. And what a bunch I mean, imagine the lineup. What a bunch. And upon them, God was happy to rest his promises for salvation to reach us. So however you are feeling about your own family and your own kids and however hard your day might have been or however broken you might feel or however hopeless the relationship might be, God is at work and you can trust him and what others mean for harm god is able to use for good and if you ever doubted that look at the cross i'm gonna read 
these verses in Genesis 50, 18 to 21. And then I'll pray, Amy. Joseph's brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Dear Father, we thank you that as parents of siblings, we do not need to know the whole story. We do not need to fear that our sin, the mistakes we make, the things we look back on with such deep regret, they are not defining our children. I thank you, Father, that you are a God who redeems. You redeem situations and you redeem lives and you redeem families and you redeem siblings. And what was intended for harm, what was misguided, what was just wrong, you can use to save lives. Father, we thank you that what makes us worried about our children, how they relate to each other, how they relate to others. I pray, Father, you'd give us the perseverance and the grace to continue trusting you, doing our best, and by the power of your Spirit in our children's lives. Would you redeem it and knit together a beautiful picture? We rest our families, Father, in your care. Amen. 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 It's been lovely serving you. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs>